Good morning. I'm indebted to the Reverend Sam Wells and Adam Mirkos, the author of the book Spearhead, for the story included in this message. Shall we pray? Lord, as we gather in this place, we come to you in humility this morning. We pray as I speak your word, you would season it with salt. That what is of me would wash away, but what is of you would sustain us for our life to come. In Jesus' name, and for your glory. Amen. Let me take you to the city of Cologne. It's the 6th of March, 1945, and World War II enters its final stages. Cologne is a city left shattered in ruins, devastated after five long, relentless years of RAF bombardment. 262 Allied raids. 34,711 tons of bombs dropped, 750,000 residents displaced. Witnesses would say on this day this beautiful city they remembered had been reduced to an enormous pile of rubble. Amazingly though, amidst the rubble, rising above the ruins of the city, one of the oldest buildings still left standing was its tallest and easily most recognisable. It's cathedral. Though 14 aerial bomb hits had blown gaping holes in the roof, the twin spires and walls, incredibly enough, were still intact. Now, on this day, Cologne and its cathedral is about to be the witness and the backdrop to the US Army's biggest house-to-house fight in Europe as its tanks enter the city. The Germans called it Endkamp, the final battle for the homeland. As we arrive, meet 19-year-old Clarence Smoyer. His life was about to change forever. Blonde, curly-haired Clarence from Armstrong County, Pennsylvania, had been discovered to possess a hidden talent. He was a natural-born shooter. It meant he occupied a gunner's seat in a Sherman tank, the super tank of the U.S. military offensive. It also meant one more thing. He would be the first in line in every battle, as long as he survived, that is. Have you ever been in a tank? I don't imagine we've been in one of these tanks. You haven't showered in three weeks. You're crammed together with others into a small metal capsule. If a shell penetrated through the tank's inadequate defences, it would ricochet inside like a supersonic pinball. Concussion would be a good outcome. More likely your bones are shattered and your body turned to jelly. In World War II, tanks were called crematoriums on wheels. Mechanics and maintenance men would cry when they came out from cleaning a tank. The order is given from Clarence's commanding officer to advance into the city streets and in his officer's words, knock the hell out of it. A strange expression to use of the already desolate, bombed-out cityscape of Cologne. Very quickly, Clarence finds himself at a sprawling intersection in the town centre. Within the backdrop of the cathedral, he's exchanging fire with a German panther tank with a gun so murderous it could shoot through one American Sherman tank into another. The German tank, known as the Monster, quickly ducked behind a building. 
leaving Clarence and his crew, desperately searching, scanning the hellish urban landscape of rubble, sagging cables and collapsed buildings. Then someone yelled over the radio, Staff car! Clarence saw a vehicle moving across the intersection. Immediately, he pressed the trigger. Bullets smashed into the car. The car hit the pavement and outflung something that emptied Clarence's gut. The body of a young, unarmed, civilian, wavy, brown-haired woman. Clarence tried to look away. But war doesn't stop for tragedy. There was still a fearsome Panzer IV tank to eliminate. Shortly afterwards, Clarence would destroy the tank and become a hero. But he never celebrated. The face of the woman in the car would haunt his dreams for decades after the war. Finally, 50 years later, a war buddy sent him a video of what happened in that intersection. Shot by a combat cameraman, it showed everything. The intersection, his tank, the German tank, the car crash, the body tumbling out of the passenger side and the wavy hair of the dead woman. Now, in his 70s, Clarence started to have repeated nightmares. Worse, he couldn't function in the day. Medication couldn't calm him. He became haunted by the woman day and night. He tried to absolve himself by searching for a way he didn't do it without success. He then had one last desperate thought. Maybe he wasn't the only one to fire at the woman. Could gunfire have come from the German tank too? Clarence then did a remarkable thing. He thought, I wonder if the German tank gunner is still alive. Maybe I could meet him and ask him. So 68 years later, on a frigid winter afternoon in March 2015, Clarence Smoyer returned to the city of Cologne for the first time to meet his old adversary of that day, the gunner in the German tank, Gustav Schaefer, all five feet of him. Unsure and unknowing what each would say to the other, Clarence reached out with an open hand. Gustav timidly extended his, And then Clarence said these words which changed everything. The war is over and we can be friends now. Unlike almost every other previous and subsequent modern war, World War I and World War II were different because they largely involved conscripted young men rather than professional soldiers. The tank is a fitting image of what it means to be a conscript trapped in a situation that's not of your own making, choosing or wanting. Gustav and Clarence had lived sheltered, ordinary lives with no reason to meet or animosity towards either country until through war they became deadly enemies. The two men walked to the scene of the battle, the crossroads of their lives, Clarence explained, I saw a film of it. Gustav interrupted, so did I. Clarence pointed to a lamppost. There was a woman, he stuttered. She fell out of the car, riddled with bullets. This is where I see her in my dreams. I still have nightmares about it, Clarence said. Then Gustav said 
the words that changed everything. So do I. Dumbfounded, Clarence said, there wasn't time to study the car. I was told to shoot anything that moved, so I shot it. I shot her, he confessed. Then Gustav said the words that transformed Clarence's life forever. Slowly, methodically, Gustav replied, that's why I shot it too. Clarence was stunned. The guilt that he'd carried for 68 years, the memories that had chewed up his life for the last 15 years of those years, he didn't bear alone. Both men had shot at that car. Both men had killed that woman. Once deadly enemies, they each found that the only person who could lift their burden of horror, guilt and trauma was one another. But that's not the end of the story. Clarence had found out the name of the woman. Kathy Esser was 26, the youngest of four sisters who'd been working as a clerk in a grocery store. It seemed that day they decided to make a run for a bridge outside Cologne to safety. Instead, Kathy died after being caught in the crossfire. She was buried in a churchyard just 200 yards from where she had fallen. Clarence and Gustav together walked along the path to the church and the churchyard and stopped before a knee-high wooden cross. A plaque on the cross read, The Unknown Dead. Kathy had been buried in a mass grave. It was only afterwards one of her sisters had seen the same film of her death and realised it was Kathy. Both men put yellow roses on the grave. As Clarence bent down to place his rose, he almost lost his balance. Gustav grabbed him by the hand and steadied him. Clarence would tell Kathy at her grave how sorry he was. After visiting her grave, Clarence later visited Kathy's family. They'd heard Clarence was in town. One of Kathy's nieces told him the people who started this war were the ones who killed Kathy. Clarence's journey of atonement was over. He and Gustav kept in close touch until Gustav's death in 2017. Clarence sent a bouquet to the funeral with the inscription, I will never forget you, your brother in arms, Clarence. Clarence himself, up until his death in March 2019, still had dreams of Kathy. Now, no longer haunting ones, just different now. I want to suggest in this story of war, we have a picture of Christian redemption in Jesus Christ. Firstly, Kathy shows us who Jesus Christ is. The innocent one sent into this world as its saviour, who goes into and experiences the place of enmity, carnage and horror, to die at the hands of ally and enemy alike because of a battle he had no part in causing or continuing. In the words of St. Paul, for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. Yet through Jesus' life and atoning death, not immediately but finally, comes a reconciliation with both God and with our mortality, guilt, bitterness, and especially one another, by which the nightmare of war is over and the dream of new life emerges. 
In the words of St. John this time, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Without Kathy, none of the good and beautiful parts of Clarence and Gustav's story would have come about. Without Jesus, none of the good and beautiful parts of our lives of expressing the love which comes from him would come about. In the words of St. John again, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But for 70 years, neither Gustav nor Clarence knew who Kathy was. So with Jesus Christ, the fact we don't know him or acknowledge him doesn't mean that long after death he cannot and is not making beautiful the bombed out cityscapes of our lives, of your life. Or as St. John says, whoever loves does know God. For God is love. The cross of Jesus Christ does something for us. But once Clarence knows who Kathy is and meets her even in death, his life is transformed. It's a reminder in this picture of Christian redemption. Secondly, Clarence, and to a lesser extent, Gustav, shows us who we once were. Or who we might still be if in the words of St. Paul we still know Christ from a human point of view, as a good man, without knowing his love. Each one of us has to find Jesus Christ as our personal saviour. To no longer know him just as a good man, but to confess him as the son of God. We find him at the grave of a cross. Perhaps like Clarence, a knee-high cross. A place where we might too struggle to steady ourselves when we realise what Jesus has done for us. A people who are trapped in the tank of our human predicament when we consider the enormity of the count of our trespasses against him. As we bend down and kneel at his knee-high cross and say sorry for our sin which led to his death, we find atonement and forgiveness. A new life in and through the abiding depth of his love. This time back to St. Paul. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Not only does the cross of Jesus Christ do something for us, it also does something in us. And through being reconciled with his love, we enter a new way of living, which shows us the third image of the picture of Christian redemption in Jesus Christ. It's depicted in the ambassadorial witness of the only building still standing in Cologne in March 1945. It's Cathedral Church, which amazingly stood erect amidst the rubble and ruins rising like a majestic symbol of the perpetuity of the faith. As those who, in St. Paul's words, live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. It reminds us even in difficulty and in the darkest places, there is nowhere the now living stones of Christ's church should not go and will not stand to bear testimony to the one we have been reconciled to, and to love one another. Sometimes perhaps bruised, 
on occasions perhaps mocked, and on others a letdown, but never defeated. And out of the ashes, urged on by the love of Christ, we live no longer for ourselves, but to always bring the victorious message of Jesus Christ in our ministry of reconciliation. You see, to quote St. Paul one last time, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Not only does the cross of Jesus Christ do something for us, and not only does it do something in us, the cross of Jesus Christ also does something through us to be his ambassadors of his abiding love as his agents of reconciliation. Shall we pray together? Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who came to bring reconciliation. May we know the depth of your love for us. May our lives confess you as the saviour of the world. And may we be your ambassadors in the ministry of reconciliation. In your name and for your glory. Amen.